Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Continues. I am Gabriel Morenci. We're talking down with the Raging Redhead Cab Store. You can check us out weekdays at 6 o'clock Eastern right here on SB Nation Radio. Following Scotty Farrell going coast to coast. We can't wait to have games uh, back so uh, we can give you a bunch of losing picks uh, once again. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. That's the way to sell the show, huh? Yeah, that's good. No, I like that game. But hey, we, the worst thing about this stuff was we were actually on fire on like a wicked stretch, like started an account with like 20 bucks, turned up like 500, and then COVID-19 hit. You left the book, and uh, the rest is history. We were actually the last day. I think we were like six for six. But anyway, we'll try to give you some winners. Yeah, that is true. The last night at FanDuel <laughs> before they shut everything down, uh, I, we were on a roll. Uh, we were hitting horse races. We were hitting basketball games. Um, I remember I was hitting a bunch of college games uh, that night in, in the ACC before they shut the tournament uh, down. But we were hitting the horses and the ponies at the Meadowlands. And uh, we talked about it on yesterday's show. We've been talking about it as of late, about how the horse uh, racing handle is uh, skyrocketing through the roof uh, right now due to the fact um, that people don't have anything to bet on. So casual and recreational sports bettors who are at home during the day are now betting on horse racing. And uh, we got a really big one. We've got a, uh, a stakes race, uh, prep race, leading into the Kentucky Derby. The Kentucky Derby is now going to take place on September the 5th. Um, the Ar- you know, some of the other ones had to be shut down, uh, like Santa Anita uh, got shut down, right? So some of the stake races uh, got shut down uh, already. Um, so the field for the Kentucky Derby is an interesting one. They're going to sort of, they're making it up on the fly, as they uh, they admitted. Uh, so a total of 22 three-year-old uh, Three-year-olds were entered into the Grade One Arkansas Derby at Oakland, leading to the race being split into two divisions. Both races will include 170 qualifying points towards the September 5th Kentucky Derby. Both winners receiving uh, 100 points. Both divisions carry a purse of $500,000. Hey, not bad, not bad. And I will say this game—it's a little more than you and I raised for with Conflict yeah. Diamond. Five, yeah, five, yeah, we were racing. We raced for five thousand. Yeah, can we win a couple, couple hundred? And really, you got twenty five hundred of it. <laughs> yeah, that's and really, right. even if you won, you, yeah. you, you didn't hey, get, you don't get anything. <laughs> hey guys, the horse finished sixth tonight. You owe us three hundred and sixty dollars. Okay, thanks. See you next week. Anyway, uh, here's here's the deal. And the best this- is, yeah, the horse won. I'm like, great. Do we get the check? Well, no, the check covers this, and you, yeah. you guys actually still owe eight hundred bucks. Yeah. It's like, well, what's the point of winning? Yeah. <laughs> You're, you're so anyways, right. Anyways. Anyway, yeah, we'll tell you about our story of host ownership and how me and Gabe got fleeced. But anyway, it's the Arkansas Derby. Well, let me just mentioned. say, like you yep. said earlier, Cam, about I like how um, I like how they make it out to see like they're heroes. Oakland Park President Louis Sella says, uh, "We're trying to make the best of a very difficult situation. On one hand, it's the worst of times to be uh, racing without fans in our grandstand. On the other hand, we have a large number of exceptional three-year-olds." wanting to run in our Arkansas Derby. We simply do not want to see anyone lose that opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically, yes. Don't lose the opportunity. Send cash to me. And I will say this, how important this race is. You're going to have a very strong field game because there are still question marks. The big next race leading up to the Kentucky yes, Derby. You're right. Remember, remember, Saratoga. We don't know what's going to happen in New York. Uh, yeah, no, this is a ticket to punch your way into that's the Derby and I'm, not worry through the rest of the summer. You're that, in. That's the thing, because we don't know what's going to happen with the other important point, points races because they're in New York, and we don't know what's going to happen with New York racing. Regardless, we're going to have a strong field here, and there's some very, very good horses. I would say the winner, probably the first top two, even three horses will probably punch their ticket to the Derby. But whoever wins these uh, races, they'll probably be in for sure. 
So um, Churchill Downs president uh, Kevin Flannery says, we're in the midst of an unprecedented year. We recognize there are numerous three-year-olds currently in training with limited racing opportunities. And it is a good point, Camp, because there's, there's tracks open, but there's not opportunities for these fine horses. These are the, yeah, these are the best horses, right? That's how you get into the derby is by accumulating yeah. points. So uh, he said, as an extension, uh, as an extension to the road of the Kentucky Derby will continue to evolve in the weeks ahead. So, you know, they're just playing it. All right, we'll, we'll do this race now. We'll take it uh, week by week as, as we can. So Division One of the Arkansas Derby uh, will take place Saturday, 629. 6.29 uh, post time. And as a betting man, I'm telling you, they will not go off at 6.29. No, I'd say 6.34. I'm predicting 6.37. Yes, uh, yeah, anyway. Like, <laughs> yeah. that, that's what they think. And people don't remember. There's these races, there's other cards. So if they get behind on the cards... They're not going to worry about speeding it up. They'll just let it drag on. It's the only game in town for betters, right? They want this thing to go on all night. So I agree. All right. Uh, so uh, we've got some interesting horses uh, here. So it's split into to two. And uh, Bob Baffert's got favorites in both of them, actually. He's got Charlatan. Yep. He's got Charlatan in Division One, And he's got uh, Nadal, who's actually yeah, Nadal. named after the tennis player. Right. Uh, Nadal in, in the second race. So the second race is going to go off. Uh, the first one we talked about at 629. The second race at 743. So that's nice. And, you know, they're going to have races leading into it. So you got a Saturday evening, Saturday night of horse racing on national television uh, that everybody will enjoy uh, watching. So let's get into the field a little bit right now. We talked about Charlatan. Uh, Charlatan, uh, he won the uh, the grade two Rebel on uh, March 14th at Oakland. And that's one thing I like, Cam, that I take a look at, actually. And I don't know how you feel about this, but... So one of the reasons why I liked his the law, he had won before at Gulfstream. Like, he'd raced there before. And Charlatan's won on this track before. I like horses that have been on the track. You and I know we owned a horse. Yeah. Our horse, you know, he didn't like going to tracks for the first time. He was no. more comfortable on certain tracks. He ran he, well at Georgian. He finished yeah. top four there all the time. Then we moved him and he finished ninth, 10th, yeah. 11th. It matters yeah. in the horse game. Horses are very sensitive. They remember everything. The horse remembers winning on this track. He likes the dirt. It's just like it's like memory sense and stuff. So I like the fact that Charlatan's won here before Kemp. You, you know, it's even money. You're not getting any value, but Charlatan is the best horse. So Charlatan's in the ones, uh, the one hole though. Uh, but uh, there's only 11 uh, horses in a race. The two horse. I uh, can't help but think of you, Kemp. My friend's beer. Yeah, I wouldn't mind some friend's beer, but uh, good horse. But I'm, I don't think I'm going to play him, Gabe. I'm going to. You, you got to be specific so here. Yeah, we'll, we'll give yeah. our we'll give our opinions. Now. Let me just rattle yep. through the field yep. here. Uh, Mo Mosa is the three horse. So uh, my friend's beer goes off at twenty to one as of now. Mo Mosa is uh, thirty to one in the three post. Um, Governor Morris, Todd Pletcher. This is a good horse here. Very good four, horse. Four spot here. Yep. Uh, Jungle Runner. Steve Asmussen, another uh, good trainer here, Kev. Yes, very much um, so. Tyler, uh, Tyler Bay's on the ride here, Jungle Runner, 30 to 1. I like this name, Shooter Shoot. <laughs> I, I think I think Shooter Shoot just got it's a, scratched. It's a scratch, yeah. Yeah, yeah as we, as we uh, do Shooter Shoot was a scratch. Is a scratch, you are correct. Uh, Wrecking Crew, Wrecking Crew, 20 to 1. Uh, Anno Dor, it's another good horse. Anno Dor, Juan yeah. Hernandez. It needs uh, gold ring in French. Yeah, thank you, Ken. Uh, yep. <laughs> that's pretty, pretty good, good. Yeah. <laughs> Winning impression. Winning impression. Not there. Yeah, toss him out. Uh, crypto cash. Toss. And uh, Bazin, who I'm not really in love with here too much. So let's look at this race a little bit. And talking about Charlatan, two for two. Uh, Charlatan, two races, two wins, including a win here on this track. I understand why this horse is the favorite. Bob Baffert train, Ken. Yeah, I'll tell you something, Gabe. And you know me, I'm looking uh, for Martin dogs. Garcia on the ride. Yeah, Martin Garcia is good. Don't 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 overthink it. Charlatan is probably going to win this race. And you talked about it. He's even money for a reason. Are you going to try to find flaws? The one hole, it doesn't matter. He's a speed horse. And I will say this: the other horse that was going to be speed has just been scratched. That even helped Charlatan more. They wanted a war up front with those two that come out very quick. So Charlatan will get a lead and probably lead, even though it's nine furlongs, wire to wire. He is the class of this race. The question is, how do we make money on this race? I'm going to throw in a couple for you, Gabe. Gold Ring and Udor, I think, is a horse that will probably come second or third in this race. So if you're looking for exotics, 
Uh, I really, really like that horse a lot. And uh, the other one I'm going to take a shot with is Wrecking Crew. Um, I, I like the numbers, but betting against Charlatan right now, it's just one of those things, don't do it. This horse is too good, and I think uh, he'll definitely win. But Anu Dor and Wrecking Crew uh, are horses that I like uh, in exotics. You know, I'll tell you what. So there, there's a way to approach this. So I'm sure we have people tuning in right now that some of you would know more. You bet on ponies all the time, and uh, you don't need any advice. And I'm sure there's other, other people tuning in that are like, oh, I don't really bet on horses too much. And it's funny because it's a lot like golf bettors, and Cam's a big golf better, in which golf bettors will be like, I can't take this guy. He's only 12 to 1. He's only plus 1,200. Or he's only plus 800. And... And sports bettors will look at it like, man, I'm getting this guy at plus 800. What a great number. Yeah. Right. So there's a different perception. Like, so the casual horseman won't like to bet on charlatan at even money. Nobody goes to the racetrack saying, I'm going to bet 100 bucks to get 100 bucks back. Right. And nobody wants, you know, you, know, you shouldn't be putting 100 on a race anyways, unless you're splitting it up and, you know, in a bunch of different places, et cetera. But at the same point in time, if you're a sports better and hey, a plus 100 score for, for a minute and 26 seconds is pretty good. Yeah, right? and you know what I'm yeah. saying? Or a minute yeah. and 54 or whatever is pretty good. And it's a different perception. That's the way I looked at it with Tis the Law. I got Tis the Law at a set number, like a sports number, not even a horse number. It was like plus 118 or something. Yeah, like, that's a good number. Five. Hey, you got more money. You even got a little bit of plus. Uh, Charlatan, you got to lay, lay it. But you know what, Gabe? The only thing you could say bad about Charlatan, first of all, he won his races by easily. Like there was nobody even close to him. He blew away the field. The only thing is the post, which I'm not going to worry about in a nine furlong race. And another thing is he was against weaker competition. But now without the speed duel, I think these other horses who need to come from the back will not. Charlatan has to be played. I'm going to go Charlatan, and then I'm going to try to find a way to make more money. Uh, I'll bet him to win and then take exotics. You know who I'm going to mix him in here with, Ken? Yep. Governor Morris. Governor. The governor. The governor. The governor. Yeah. yeah. I'm throwing out the governor. I'm going to drink, governor. Uh, <laughs> I might put governor in like, you know, some tries. I'm telling you, this is the horse. Yeah. He smashed the field in his debut at Saratoga. Yep. Uh, he had a second place finish at the Breeders' uh, future, uh, Futurity. And uh, he won his first start in a Tampa, Tampa allowance. Yep. And what I like about this horse, a little bit of experience, Ken. Bounced around a little bit. You know what I mean? He's been at this track. He's been at that track. Huh? He's won Saratoga, nice field. You know, he, he smashed them. Nine length uh, victory at Saratoga. Um, he goes to the Breeders, competes with top elite horses, um, wins a Tampa Bay Allowance uh, race over at Tampa Downs. And what I like, finished fourth in the Florida Derby. That was a tough race, too. It was. The thing is, if you're going to take Charlatan and Governor Morris, those are the two favorites in the exacta game, I would be take prone to your thinking and just bet Charlatan to win and put more money on him. You know, put 50 bucks to win like 50, 50 bucks and then, and then do some other things. The governor, I don't I think- I am with you though, with Wrecking Crew. I would look at Wrecking Crew. Like if I was going to play a box, a trifecta here, yeah. in fact, I probably will. I'll play the uh, the one, the four and the seven, Ken. Yeah, I like, uh, I like, uh, I have the, the one and the seven definitely in there. Um, I like winning impression is actually like one of the biggest uh, long shots I might throw in because he's not he's very great. good. No, he's not very good. No, he's got a good trainer. Dallas Stewart's a good trainer, but uh, the horse is uh, definitely one of the worst like in the field he's there. The same name. Yeah, no, 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 no. I, I bet on <laughs> this guy's the best. I love you, Marenzi. Anyway, I'm just saying, if you have Charlatan and Governor Morris, it's probably not. I would trust more Charlatan to win, but I like where you're going, wrecking crew, and own, watch out for Anu Dor. I think that horse is very, very lethal and can finish second, yeah, third this, in the race. This wrecking crew horse is good. $337,000 he's already made in his he's career. He's a wicked horse. Yeah, he's you got to put him in exotics, buddy. Even yeah, he won he, third place in a Breeders' Cup Juvenile. Uh, is, um, I'm telling you, this 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 horse has made some money. And as you mentioned, Anu Dor is not, not a uh, horse to discount either. Exactly. Like if you want to get into a pick four, you want to get into, um, you know, you want to start getting to more exotics and stuff like that. I don't have a problem with the eight horse, Ken. Like, yeah. and in fact, I'll be spinning it, but it's not going to pay a lot. You're right. Like, if I spin a one eight, a one four, one seven exactas, yeah. even without boxing them. Yeah, I like one seven eight because if you're going to go, if one of those horses, Wrecking Crew or Anu Dor, finishes second behind Charlatan, it'll pay a little bit more, Gabe. But if you want to add Governor Morris, you might have to do. 
you know, uh, Charlottetown to win with Governor Morris and others. You know what I mean? Because you don't want that ticket to cost you more than what you're going to make on the race. But I think we're in agreement. Charlottetown is the horse to beat, and I'm not going to get into this horse's way. Yeah, so out of the 10 horses, there was one scratch, as as Cam mentioned. Uh, shooter Shoot has been uh, shot. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, shooter Shoot's been shot. <laughs> Done. Bye-bye. Uh, but I think we're in agreement. So, yeah, Charlottetown is the horse to beat. But... You know, at that at that price, I'm not liking it, Cam. It'd only be in you know, only in in uh, exactas, trifectas, etc. I'd rather roll the dice as opposed to to like lay a seven to five. I'd rather roll the dice on a wrecking crew in a twelve to one range. Uh, you know, Gov- Governor Morris not a lot of value either. The four horse, and yeah. then you know, Anno Dor's got a nice pedigree at eight to one. I agree. That's why I'm taking those horses. So the Anno Dor wrecking crew and um, uh, basically, Charlatan are the ones that I'm looking at. Governor Morris, to me, I might have to throw him out, but uh, Charlatan should win, Gabe. The next race, though, I think we like... This is Anno where I want to see where you're going. Yeah, yeah, we'll get into the next race uh, in, in a couple of minutes here, but Anno Dor, you know, one thing's interesting, Cam, he didn't have blinkers. They put blinkers on exactly. him and it made it worse. Yes, It didn't yes. help him, so I don't know which direction to go in now. So it seems like this is a horse that's a really good horse, but they can't find the right spot and groove for them yet. You know what I mean? Like yeah. blinkers, no blinkers. They can't figure them out. Equipment's a big problem. But the thing was, he ran worse with blinkers, so he might be happy to not have the blinkers on again and, and run a better race. I'm with you. People don't understand this little equipment stuff. Horses are fickle. We talk about it like the like other things, man. You don't want to mess around, and horse runs better without blinkers. Um, one thing we'll bring up about this winning impression uh, horse, very good in the slop. Yeah, I wish it, if it rains, I have yeah, a Yeah, yeah, like that's I the one thing I want to bring up, guys, because <laughs> I've been reading about this, and basically the winning impression team, they said they're praying for rain. <laughs> like, I love like it. Like, he's had success in the slop before, and that's almost how he got here, essentially, in the slop. Like, he's not a great horse, but I don't know, Cam. He's got some, there's something about that horse, too. I like him. He's got some spirit <laughs> winning impression. That, that's funny. Like, I have 1789. Like, the horses that I p- picked in my thing were Charlatan, Wrecking Crew, Anu Dor and winning impression as a big, big dog. And if it rains, I might have to make that bet before. And hopefully, hey, because you know horse racing, once that bet's in, it's in. It doesn't matter if the sky's open or where. I get winning. I get winning. Now, now we're up to giving. We're giving people five horses out of the ten. <laughs> yeah, we have. No, I got. I like four. One, seven, eight, nine. I'm gonna Governor Morris. I'm gonna. I'm gonna pass. Even if he finish second and third, whatever. Uh, I know. What are you gonna do? Like, you know, what's even the like point? Like, what's the point of one four hits? What am I gonna win? Two dollars? Yeah, gonna pay exactly. four fifty? I'd rather you go with Anno, uh, with with the Gold Ring and uh, when it, uh, and the other horse that we were talking about, Wrecking Crew, who I think does have a chance to come second. All right, we'll take a look at the uh, the Division uh, Two Arkansas uh, Derby race. Game time decisions continues. Get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Game time decision continues. I am Gabe Morenci. Let's do this thing. We're breaking down the Arkansas Derby. Going to town with the raging redhead Cam Stewart. Uh, so we broke down the Division One uh, race. And when they so we say Division One and Division Two, we're not talking like uh, it's like college <laughs> athletics. They, they split up 22 horses. It was too many horses. They split it up into two races. They just called one of the races Division One, and uh, the other race a uh, Division Two. As far as uh, a quick recap of uh, of the first race, let's just call it the first race stop at 6:30, 6:29. Charlton's the favorite, but I'm not in love with it at even. I, you know, there's no there's no value there. You brought it up. There's not a lot of value with the four horse here and Governor Morris uh, either. Wrecking Crew is intriguing in the in the 10 to 12 to one range, uh, as is Anno Dor, uh, the eight horse in the eight to one range. Ken, yeah. and uh, you were talking about winning impression. Hey, he's 30 to one, a little sprinkle. <laughs> winning impression. Uh, I, I, let's pray, Gabe. The skies open up in Arkansas at Oakland and let winning impression do his thing in the slop. Let me let me just do a quick <laughs> uh, weather check. Oakland. <laughs> Oakland, Saturday night. Rain, 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 please. Oakland weather. 
It should oh. be okay. No? Oh, the poor bastard. What, sunny? Dry? It's, pour it's pouring rain as we speak. Yeah, jeez. Oh, it's pouring rain as we speak. Uh, Friday night, it clears up. Saturday, sunny. Yeah, that, that's about right. <laughs> and get this, Sunday, lightning and thunder. Yeah, yeah, winning and pressure. You can't catch a break. But no. anyway, yeah. That's <laughs> like life of a horse owner, too, because that's the thing. You know, he's looking at this. He's like, are you kidding me? Yeah. He goes, so you're telling me it's raining all week. It's going to be sunny on Saturday and it rains again on Sunday. Sounds about right. Yeah, that's, that's exactly Sounds like something it. would happen to us if we yeah, had yeah. Oh, he's, Dallas, slop he's Dallas Stewart. He's a steward. He's a mush. He can't catch a break. Don't worry about it. All right. So <laughs> Arkansas Derby, Division Two, 743 uh, post-time, as we alluded to earlier, $500,000 uh, is the purse. One and one eight miles. Um, all right, let's jump in. We'll blast through the field, and then we'll give you our thoughts uh, on this one. Uh, Finnick the Fierce, 15 to one. Uh, Martin Garcia and uh, Ray Hernandez, uh, 15 to 1. Saratogian, Saratogian, Joe Talamo, 50 to 1. I always like Joe Talamo. He's one of my guys, uh, but uh, we're going to pass. Storm the court. Yeah. Storm the court, 6 to 1. Mm, Flavian Pratt. Flavian Pratt's good jockey. Yeah, they um, got some good jockeys there. King Guamero, 3 to 1. Ooh, I, I like the king. King Guillermo? Yeah, yeah he's yeah. dangerous. Dangerous. Samuel Camacho Jr. Oh, I like Sammy Camacho. Um, Rafael Nadal. The horse is named Nadal, and he's named after Rafael Nadal. Uh, Bob Baffert and Joel Rosario, the real underdogs of the uh, of the race. <laughs> yeah. What's uh, up with D. Wayne Lucas, bro? This guy's really slipped, huh? Oh, uh, he's older. I think. I think there's a lot of other. Is he like? Is he done? Like he hasn't officially retired. No, though, he's he? still there. I think he's just smaller workload. You're right. Like Steve Asmussen, he's like a guy that's there too. We talk about Todd Pletcher. No, he's very good. Actually, uh, Mark Cassie from Woodbine, who's now over in Florida, he's one of the best trainers in the world too. But it's interesting. You're right. D. Wayne Lucas is one of those guys you don't see much anymore. Bill Mott is a big name. Chad Brown. Uh, but yeah, you don't hear about uh, D. Wayne Lucas. Gabe, that guy. I don't even know how old D. Wayne Lucas is right now. Probably getting up there. He is. Uh, he's 84. Yeah, that's 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 a lot. That's yeah, that's a lot of years. That's yeah, a lot of years 80. of the horse game. Uh, I liked him. I liked uh, I liked D. Wayne Lucas. He was my guy. You know what I mean? Like uh, he was the guy I trusted in. You know what I mean? It's hard to like have like like Baffert. Like oh, I'm rooting for Bob Baffert. He's just. It's like one of those guys. Like even I don't want to be a jerk. Like yeah. the little yeah. kid in the suit too. Yeah, this kid there wearing the uh, suit. <laughs> I know. It's like hey, and his name's Bodie. It's like like you know. It's like ooh, the Bafferts. They got yeah. It's just oh, I'm not gonna be rude to Bob Baffert, but I always cheer for the underdog guy. Like I want a trainer that like you know really needs it a lot more. But that's just not the way the world works. But like D Wayne Lucas, he's not a silver spoon guy. He grew up on a yeah. farm and everything. Like he really would, you know what I mean? He really grew up that bad. Worked hard as he when he was younger though. Like I'm not gonna say. Yeah, he's I, a no, no, he did. He, guy. he just looks like a rich he's guy. earned his. He's earned his spot. Damn he's, right. Yeah, he's earned his spot. He's the king of racing now, Bob Baffert. All right, so uh, code run. Bob Baffert and Nadal five to two. Code run of the six horse. Uh, Stuart Elliott, Steve Asmussen, fifty to one. Got they got a few long shots in this one. Silver Prospector, ten to one. Kind of an interesting horse this one. Silver I Prospector. Like that horse a lot. Yeah, uh, fast enough is uh, twelve to one. Uh, uh, Tyshawn, uh, fifteen to one. Beautiful horse. I watched a video of this horse. Really nice looking horse. I don't know if he's going to win though. Farmington Road. Todd Pletcher, twelve to one. And uh, Wells Bayou, an interesting horse in the eleven hole here. Cam, what's your take on the Division Two race? Here's the thing. Uh, I'm not sure if this is the one where are you like going to go with Charlatan? Because here I'm actually not going to take Nadal to win. I will take him in exotic. Oh, I was leading with Charlatan, and I wasn't going to take Nadal. That's what, I'm, that, that's what I'm doing. But, Nadal, but I'm starting to get cold feet about Charlatan just because there's no damn value at all. Yeah. The thing about Nadal is, too, even though the horse is three for three, he had uh, some issues the last time out. This race is a little bit longer. It's nine furlongs instead of eight. I will tell you this, Gabe. This race sets up for an underdog winning because in a nine furlong race, as you know, Gabe, there's going to be guys who come out there. If this pace breaks down and the leaders start to get tired around the stretch, that's going to open up the door for stone-cold closers. Guys like uh, Guillermo there, King Guillermo looks good. And I'll tell you, 
Farmington Road is a very, very dangerous horse from off the pace. If you look at the results, that horse does really, really well coming in like at the quarter pole and making a move. And Silver Prospector is another horse. So if you're going to take Nadal, I like King Guillermo, Farmington Road, and Silver Prospector. I have to find out what to do. I'm going to take three to four horses in both races. I just got to spread them out and figure out what's going to make me the most money and exact as tries. And you, you talk about it. If you're going to do a pick three, you have to put a bomb in there because if you just take favorites, it's not going to pay anything. If you like a favorite, put in putting something a little bit deeper. I'll tell you what, Silver Prospector has a pretty impressive resume to me, Cam. When I was, this is the horse I was talking about. I see a horse that's a little bit of a yes. bigger yes. in a ten to one range. This is this was the one that caught my eye the most. Uh, won the Southwest Stakes, grade three race. Very impressive win over there. Um, has a win at the Kentucky Jockey Club. Hey. Uh, you know what I mean? So, all right, Kentucky Jockey, uh, Southwest. And what I like about this is um, the, the the race at the Kentucky Jockey Club, he beat Tis the Law. <laughs> and, and that's very, yeah, very impressive. he beat Tis the Law. Yeah. This horse can bring it. This horse can bring it. I'm telling you, Silver Prospector's making the Kentucky Derby. He's getting in. He might finish second here. This is going to be a nice win-play-show type of bet here, 10-to-1 camp. This is I, the I horse I'm quit. riding. I'm coming in here with a seven horse, Silver Prospector. I, I like Silver Prospector, too. I think he can finish. I think he can win the race or finish second. I think there's two horses that people, if you're going to like this race, I think this is where the dogs come out. Farmington Road and Silver Prospector are horses that you need to look at in this race. If the pace breaks down, Nadal's going to have some big problems. Farmington Road and Silver Prospector, they can close and run really, really deep into the stretch and eat these guys up, Gabe, and then boom, 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 we'll be cashing tickets. Silver Prospector, Farmington Road, two horses that need to be in your, on your betting card for sure. So what about Nadal? Are you going to scratch Nadal? I'm who's not going to scratch Nadal. I'm going to do a box. I'm going to do a box. Actually, I'm, I might have to throw out King Guillermo because of his odds. He's okay, but... I think Farmington Road Silver Prospector could win this race. So I will put Nadal in, but I'm going to do probably a box. Three of those horses, I could do a four. I could do a four. One dollar exact a box would cost $24. I might do a $2 at 48 and add Nadal. But if I take four horses, that's only a $48 bet. I could live with that. And I'll tell you, if Silver uh, Prospector or Farmington Road win, that exactor will probably pay about five, 600 bucks. It's worth doing. As you stated, not enough value with King Gomero here. I like the, the the odds with Silver Prospect. I tell you, finish uh, Finnick the Fierce can't be discounted either. It's a good I, horse. Uh, yeah, it has an impressive resume as well. To me, though, I'm kind of feeling this Wells Bayou horse, Ken. The thing with Wells Bayou, I think he's going to push the pace and fade. Yeah, Wells Bayou, that, that, that's the thing. There's going to be a race up front, so Nadal and him might have, you know, they might be at the top of the pace game. What's going to happen? Nine furlongs is a long race, right? It's like... You can't be screwing around. It's one of those things, too. you got to be really, really smart. You want a veteran jockey who knows how to make his move. But we will see. I, I, I'm i telling you, I like where your Silver Prospector, uh, and, and I love that horse. I think Silver Prospector could win this race, and I like Farmington Road a lot. That's where I'm sticking to, but I, I don't mind your underdogs as well. I, I'm going to make a pick. Like, if I have a bet, will Nadal win, and I get the field, I'll take the field over Nadal in this race. All right. Uh, the Raging Redhead Cam Stewart laying it down, man. we got some horse racing. On, uh, so at horse racing, you're going to uh, dip into the drinks. I think last Saturday you didn't dip into the drinks, right? So I did. So this Saturday you got some horse racing uh, going on. Woo. <laughs> could, could be pretty drunk by the time it's 8 o'clock. You know me all too well, Gaz. Right? It's like, oh, yeah, the horse race is coming. I think I might get into it myself. Oh, yeah. No, honestly, we need something to look forward to. Remember the lady who lived over 100, you told me? Something to look forward to. A nice bo couple bottles of wine, some beers, and racing at Oakland Saturday night. I'm in. All right, let's get to uh, some of the uh, the questions uh, of the day here. Our boy Theodore, who's a regular viewer and uh, listener checking in. Uh, we appreciate uh, the support, Theo. Said, uh, with more and more states legalizing gambling and, um, and uh, the investment in mobile sports books uh, and casinos, will we see the end of the Vegas nostalgia? It's a good question, actually, because... Before Vegas used to fight this, like before New Jersey had sports gambling and there was sports gambling in like 20 states now, whatever, Jersey used to lobby against it, right? And they used to feel as a though that it would hurt them somehow. And it really didn't. You saw, look, New Jersey started taking bets. They took over $450 million and Nevada took over 500 million. They set their own record. Competition was good 
it didn't stop people from going to uh, to Las Vegas. So I think the answer here is, Cam, I don't think it's the, the advent. It sort of is. Now, you don't have to go. But now with this virus stuff in the future, Vegas really will take a hit. Because now it's like, I don't have to go there to place a bet. And I don't really want to go be around all those people. So I think Vegas really is in trouble moving forward for real now for the next uh, few years. I agree. Especially, like, I think, like, basically some of the local casinos will survive because that's where people will go to do their regular betting and gaming. But, Gabe, you've seen the size of these sports rooms and some of these players and horse books. I don't know what they're going to do. Like, the way things are going, how are you going to fill those seats? And you talk about the apps. I think there's big challenges ahead for these companies. They could still make money with these apps that, that are on the phone, but for people to li literally come into the casino, hang out for a day, drink and gamble, I think that's going to be very, very tough moving forward. And they don't need them either. That's the whole thing. Like, even FanDuel, like, we have a good time over at the Sportsbook Cam, but basically, like, 82% of their action, it was only, like, 17 or 18% of the action was actually at the window. Yeah. Right? It was all on, you know, people bet mobile anyways. The sportsbooks issues now isn't, you know, I mean, the, the pandemic, really. It's more so there's not a lot of stuff to bet on, right? They took action on the on the NHL, on the, on the NFL draft. They'll get some action now on the Arkansas Derby. Uh, but, you know, they need, we need some sports back. We need some, uh, some events back. So speaking of sports, I do think they'll play NFL football. Where will they play and all that other stuff is another question. We have an interesting question here from, uh, from our boy, uh, Goodfella. Uh, asking about Joe Burrow. Do we like Joe Burrow to be Offensive Rookie of the Year? And me and Cam say no. No. Nope. Uh, but what do we think about the uh, some of his props uh, here? And I'll go over some of these props. But uh, Cam, tell us why you don't think Joe Burrow. I, I said me personally, not enough value at plus 250. I think two at plus 800 is the way to go. That's exactly what I think, too. Joe Burrow could have a fine year for the Cincinnati Bengals, but I just think Tua in the Miami situation, it's very similar, and we're getting 8-1 to one instead of 2-1. to one. So I'll take a shot with Tua. I think he's ready to go, and I think he has a lot to prove. More along the lines of, of Joe Burrow, I would look for A.J. Green, comeback player of the year, as we talked about. What was that number, Gabe? Was it double digits? 18-1 to one was, or something? Yeah, 18-1. to one. That was something that I would look at because – if he stays healthy, him and Burrow could have a combo, uh, you know, and be a nice combo. But I don't think there's enough value for Joe Burrow. I'm not saying he's not going to do okay. I just prefer Tua better, and we're getting a way better number. Here are some of the numbers that are posted uh, for Burrow right now. Over under 24 touchdown passes. Uh, 24. Feels a little high. It does. They might be behind. He might start airing it out, though. Yeah, I had a tough. 3,700 yards. Over. It's the same prop. Uh, will he rush for five or more touchdown uh, touchdown uh, rushes? What do you think? That's tough. Aren't they having problems with Joe Mixon too? Like he wants more money. There's a lot of weird things going on in Cincinnati. Like I'm, I don't know. They're they're supposed to be a team on the rise, but I, as I told you, I kind of like what Miami's doing more. I don't like the the number props there. Out of all that, I say no though. He's not going to be the rookie of the year. No. I don't think the Bengals are going to be very good. And um, he's going to struggle, I think. I don't, you know, he's not just going to come in and light the NFL up. Exactly. I don't have a lot of confidence in Zach Taylor either, to be honest, the coach. I don't really like, you know, I don't know if he's the right guy for this moving forward. And in fact, it wouldn't surprise me if the Bengals were one of the worst teams in the NFL again. Yeah, one of, but we, did we pick Jacksonville on the other side? Has to be Jacksonville. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we're all in on Jacksonville being the worst, hands down. Yeah, it, it just it almost just has to be Jacksonville. We'll say no, we'll say no for Burrow at the price, and uh, I'm with you with Tua. All right, uh, what else uh, do we have uh, here? Um, here's an interesting one. The most underrated fighter to win a UFC championship. That's one for you, buddy. I was going to say, most underrated. An underrated champion. An underrated champion. You know, it sounds crazy, because she's the current champion right now. But if you look at all the hype that Ronda Rousey got, and you look at all the hype that Cyborg used to get over the years, and you look at the amount of hype that Amanda Nunes gets, who has absolutely destroyed all of these women. Great point. Like, she has murdered Holly Holm. She murdered Ronda Rousey. Like, she beat the crap out of Ronda. Like, she, like she killed her. Which like I, actually, like, Ronda's, like, was, like, uh, like they yeah, have to yeah. stop, stop, yeah. stop. Like, it's too much. You know, people are like, oh, Cyborg. Bing, she knocks. We're like, Amanda Nunes can knock a dude out. 
And the fact that she's Brazilian, you know, she's, you know, she doesn't talk a lot. She's a lesbian. Yeah, she, you bring up you a know what I mean? Like, if she was a hot blonde, look at Paige Van Zandt. Yeah, Paige you're Van right. Zandt's tough as hell. I respect the little girl. She gets her, you know, she's beautiful, but she gets her teeth caved in and she doesn't like, she's not a little, you know, Barbie doll about it. She's tough. But Amanda Newton, and look at her. She's on Dancing with the Stars. Amanda Newton is one of the greatest fighters of all time, male or female. Eh, she doesn't get any love at all, really. Yeah, that's the way it works, buddy. That's the thing. You're pretty. Uh, you're going to get a lot more press. All right. Um, so, um, Cam, always good. Yep. We're going to talk some NFL uh, football. We're going to hit the NFL uh, draft uh, by Paul. Game time decisions continue. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Game time decisions continues. I am Gabriel Morenci. You know, in times uh, like this, very difficult uh, times, a lot of people find uh, religion. I know uh, I have. And I know religion helps uh, me get through these uh, difficult times, uh, but uh, there, there's more than one Bible. <laughs> and uh, let's, um, let's uh, read the holy book uh, right now in the NFL draft Bible. Rick Saratella steps up and in. Rick, always a pleasure, my man. How you doing? What's happening, Gabe? You know, some people have told me the NFL draft Bible is the most important Bible this time of year. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, what? the ratings wouldn't uh, the ratings would uh, would agree, uh, actually, as we saw how many people watch the NFL draft. So, uh, listen, I don't know about you. I've always thought it was a little premature to get into winners and losers of a National Football League draft when we haven't seen these kids play before. Right. Um, you know, I know an agent in a National Football League and. He represents a lot of undrafted guys. And uh, basically, you know, there was a Super Bowl two years ago. It was like the Rams and the Patriots Super Bowl. And they were like, you know, 34% of these players in a Super Bowl were undrafted. So, you know, the draft table isn't everything here. So winners and losers is one thing. But we can have opinions and like a direction a team is going or didn't like some of the, you know, uh, baffled by. And I always say this, too. It's nothing against the kids. You know what I mean? It's nothing against this kid that, oh, you know, why did a team take him? But when you're looking at a team makeup, some of these picks are baffling at times. So I'll throw it to you. Who did you like? Who did you wake up on uh, Sunday morning and say, you know what? I really like what this team did. You know, and to your point, Gabe, too, the NFL Hall of Fame with this year's induction class, there will be more day three and undrafted free agents in the Hall of Fame wow. than first round draft picks. Wow. So it says it all right there, huh? It's yeah, funny, so. I'm a Buffalo Bill fan, and people were like, oh, we don't have a first-round pick. And I read, yeah, the last time they didn't have a first-round pick, they took Thurman Thomas in the second round. <laughs> there you go. So, And to that point, I mean, I think a lot of people are quick to pile on Green Bay's draft, and it's like, hey, wait a second. Last time they did this whole philosophy of drafting the future quarterback, grooming him to be the next franchise quarterback, it worked out pretty well. It worked out with the Super Bowl and Aaron Rodgers. So I don't understand, you know, the, the Packers fans, or they got their, their panties in a bunch because they didn't get a, a wide receiver, but they set themselves up for success for the next decade. And, you know, uh, that formula seems to have worked pretty well. So I actually like the fact that they drafted Jordan Love to kind of have him sitting behind a Hall of Famer for a year or two. Hey, why why not? Um, I'm a big fan of it. I think Baltimore, what Eric DaCosta did there, you know, every single pick that came on the board, it was just like, man, what a great pick. Uh, what a great person to learn from in Ozzie Newsom. But they get baby Ray Lewis and Patrick Queen. They come back, J.K. Dobbins now to pair with Mark Ingram. You think about the RPO with Lamar Jackson, Mark Ingram, J.K. Dobbins. I mean, that's going to leave defensive coordinators guessing. And then, you know, we were talking about it right before we came on the air, what the Broncos did. You're seeing teams now try to emulate what the Chiefs accomplished yeah. last year, which yeah. is stretching the field and speed. And Denver added all this speed to their wide receiver mix. You take a look at what Oakland did. They added, you know, three or four wide receivers. They added a lot of speed, right? And then, you know, teams making trades and, and the Eagles, they drafted speed. And, and well, Let, me, let and, me ask you about the Eagles, because they're one of the more polarizing teams uh, as well. But, you know, to be honest, um, they could draft Randall Cunningham over again and Eagle fans would bitch and cry on draft night, right? Like, they're never happy no matter what. And then once the kid scores a touchdown, they're going to love him. 
So it's it's that's just the way the Philly fan is. But their draft was heavily scrutinized. Number one, let's uh, let's start off with the wide receiver that they took. You know, you're you're a draft guru. Is there was that much difference? Like I didn't think it was that crazy. I didn't, you know what I mean? I didn't have him that high, but to me, they're all kind of the same. I was surprised Mims fell as much as he did. Uh, but what did you make of uh, of the TCU kid going to the Philadelphia Eagles and and uh, and Rager? You know, he drew he drew a lot of comparisons to Deshaun Jackson, to what he yeah. can do after the catch, stretch the field, make big plays. So I understand it. I get it. I think you know it's a great fit for what their offense does. The fan the clan the fan base. They wanted a slant, slot, fast yards after yeah. catch guy. They weren't looking for a big target, right? Right, yeah, they wanted Justin Jefferson. That seemed to be the consensus, and I think he came off the board with the very next pick. But in terms of what Philly wanted to do here, Rieger fits that scheme. He's going to be a productive player. It was a good pick. And, you know, again, with Jalen Hurts, I mean, that's the biggest thing. I was on Philly radio last night. The, the half I was on for an hour. 30 minutes of it was dedicated to Jalen Hurts. And, look, again, you know, they, they drafted uh, – uh, Wentz a couple years ago, they had Bradford. They traded Bradford for draft picks. Then they had Nick Foles. They traded him for draft picks. So worst case scenario, they develop another quarterback and they trade one for draft picks. But you saw, you know, when 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 Wentz goes down, and it happens every year. Last year they had to go to Nate Sudfeld. Then they called Josh McCown out of retirement. They weren't feeling too good about that. So you know, Hertz has got the big school pedigree. He, he, he guided a. Alabama to a national championship. He's played for Oklahoma. Now they might incorporate some sub packages, but again, I mean, this formula led them to a Super Bowl in the past, so I don't see what the problem is. It's interesting that you bring that up, actually, and it's funny how a couple of days after everything gets digested, as opposed to the emotion in the moment, and it's funny because teams take a quarterback in the second round. The Philadelphia Eagles are a classic example. People were flipping. I was upset. I'm not an Eagle fan, but I was upset because I had a bet that he would go over 62 and a half. <laughs> so he goes 53. I was like, ah, I can't believe the Eagles of all teams are the ones that just did this to me. Right? Yeah. But the Eagles, but my point is, so they flip out. And then if Carson Wentz gets hurt, they rip the they rip Roseman and Roseman and stuff after. I can't believe we don't have a real backup quarterback. This is ridiculous. No doubt. You gotta bring guys out of retirement. And you see it all the time. I'm very critical of the Dallas Cowboys for this. I'm like, you guys play with fire all the time. You really think you're going to win with Cooper Rush if that goes down? Right? Like, is it you really believe that, guys? You think you're going to win with Cooper Rush? Right? And so you can't really criti criticize a team. And look, quarterbacks go down. The Super Bowl champions last year didn't have their quarterback for a little while. And Matt Castle had to play. Well, you know, and to your point, you see the, the, the way the odds have kind of shifted in the dynamics of the NFL power rankings, too. Like, the, the odds on the Patriots, they didn't draft a quarterback. They went from, like, 12 to 1. They're down to, like, 25 to 1 because they didn't address that. What did you right? make of that, though? You know, what about that? Belichick seems – listen, the odds makers are thinking Cam Newton's going to sign there. I, it seems like a weird fit, although they've really got him. As, you know, that's where the odds makers think Cam Newton's going to land right now. Mm -hmm. Belichick saying, I believe in Jared Stidham. What was your take on Stidham coming into the NFL, coming out of Auburn, and originally a Baylor, of course, as well? Uh, this kid, uh, you know, he was a blue chipper coming out of high school, and he played well in college. I think people are underestimating him a little bit. He's got the pedigree. I saw him down at the Senior Bowl when he was coming out for the draft. The mechanics are there. He's fundamentally sound. He's a smart kid. And I got news for you. I think uh, Belichick would be perfectly content going into the season with Brian Hoyer, who knows the offense, gets along well with Josh McDaniels. This is a system now that won 10 games with Matt Castle. All right. So, I mean, whether it's Hoyer, Stidham, Cam Newton, hey, the, the, the starting quarterback might not even be on the roster right now. We don't even know that. But you saw the, the odds drop. You know, Buffalo now, they're jumped up. Uh, and, and ironically, the Buccaneers – uh, Brady and Gronk, you're seeing the T-shirts, man. Brady and Gronk in 2020. Oh, they're annoying they're already. <laughs> hey, but their odds now have jumped up significantly. And, you know, they, they add a, a mammoth uh, uh, offensive tackle, athletic guy, Tristan Wirfs, to block Brady. And now they've got, you know, weapons for Brady. And suddenly, you know, this team is is outside of the big four. And I say the yeah. big four and the Saints, the 49ers and the NFC, and then the Ravens and the Chiefs are on for a collision course in the AFC. The Buccaneers are now the fifth favorite for the Super Bowl odds. Well, I'd have to say, too, and let me ask you about my Buffalo Bills. There's a lot of hype about the Buffalo Bills right now. They're clearly built to win now. This has been a rebuild for like 20 plus years. So 
it's finally sort of culminated. It's amazing now the Bills are as good as they are. Now we have this, this uncertainty. They might not even play in front of fans, et cetera. Might be on a neutral field. We don't know the future. But I do think there'll be NFL football in, in some way. But the Bills have a very strong roster already. I like their draft. What was your take? So Espinessa out of Iowa, defensive tackle. They get Zach Moss running back out of Utah, kid from Miami, Florida, but he played college ball at uh, Utah. Tough kid, you know, tough kid from Miami, runs straight over people, um, you know, carries people. He's not a big kid, but he's just physically tough. Uh, Gabriel Davis, wide receiver, uh, UCF. Talk to me about the Bills draft. What did you think? Well, and to your point, I don't know if the quarantine is going to stop Bills Mafia from g- coming out to the stadium. Like, <laughs> but I'll tell you, man. They already I, have a virus. Yeah, yeah it doesn't yeah. matter. <laughs> the virus, so, like, the virus rolls into the parking lot at Ralph Wilson Stadium and leaves. They're like, all right, those yeah, guys like are the sick cure. of the virus. It's, like, oh, yeah. it's the cure, you know. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so, you know, I, I like I like what the Buffalo did. And, like, to, to your point, you let the emotions sink in. I was thinking to myself initially with the Zach Moss pick, I'm saying, well, here's Devin Singletary, who had an outstanding rookie season, led the league or led the team in rushing, had 1,000 total yards, averaged over five yards per carry. What do you need Zach Moss for? But you think about it and you say, well, hey, you've got this young quarterback. Let's alleviate some of that pressure there. Have this two-headed monster. Don't forget, oh, by the way, they brought in Stefan Diggs. They used some of their draft equity to acquire him. Had a chance to see Gabriel Davis up live and close. He's a big, tall receiver now. He can stretch the field. He can go up vertically, play above the rim. And then Epinenza, I thought, was a great value pick because here's a guy you thought he was going in round one. He slides down. The Bills jump on him. He's a typical uh, Buffalo, you know, lunch pail, hardness kind of guy handing the dirt you know get after the quarterback and he's not going to be an all pro talent but he's a guy that could be a, a consistent double digit sack kind of presence yeah, just throw another guy to throw in the rotation uh, right there a lot to like about the buffalo bills right uh, right now and as you mentioned it's clearly you got the chiefs and you look at you know and also you need depth at every position if you're going to be a championship caliber team you can't just have one player at each position and you look at the chiefs and, and the depth that they have the running back and, you know, losing Kareem Hunt, Damian Williams stepped in without missing a beat. They still draft Hilaire uh, right now anyways. Just, you know, you look at the San Francisco 49ers, already a ton of talent uh, on the defensive line. Let's add more. Let's just keep, you know, bolstering what we have and keep doing what we're doing. Now, one team that I think you actually look at the talent that they have, specifically defensively, it's pretty impressive. They spent a lot of money last year in the offseason stacking the defensive line and I thought they had a very nice draft as well, but I don't like the coach. So I don't know if the coach can coach them. And I'm talking about the Detroit Lions. Looking at the Lions draft, what did you make of the Lions? Um, you know, they get Swift. They get Akuda with their first pick. They get Swift. They went pedigree. They got some linemen, Ohio State Buckeyes. What did you make of the Lions? Yeah, you know, I mean, that, that whole regime is on the hot seat. So they had to draft to win now. I think ideally they would have liked to trade it down, you know. Yeah. Yeah, and still try to nab Okuda, but they went with the chalk. I mean, they needed a corner. Okuda was a, a blue chip talent. Uh, I would have considered Isaiah Simmons there, though. You know, the the way, especially with Patricia's background coming from that Patriots, you know, with the, the Kyle Van Noyes of the world, they could have maybe put Simmons in that kind of role. But you can't argue with Okuda. And Swift, let's be honest, what Carrion Johnson brought to the table, I mean, there, there's nothing spectacular there. So I could see Swift kind of taking that over. But, you know, this is a make it or break it. are they going to use him? Like, that's the, been the history of the Lions, right? They get these young backs, and it's like, all right, maybe he's got talent, and they don't use him. But you and I think they drafted another running back later on. Yes, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, they just love collecting running backs, you know. You know, and that's the thing. Where Where's this organization really going? Uh, no right? direction. Yeah, no they direction. sort of went off. You know, I think they wanted to trade the pick, but nobody bit. So it's interesting you brought up Isaiah Simmons because I like the pick. A lot of people thought, including myself, Isaiah Simmons um, or Arizona could use an offensive lineman, but they ended up getting one anyways. So they get the lineman. I believe it's the kid out of Houston. They get the lineman anyways later. But they get Isaiah Simmons. They need some help on defense. I like Isaiah Simmons a lot. It seems like a lot of the mainstream NFL guys don't know what position he's going to play. We're in a hybrid league right now. I personally, and I want to throw this uh, to you here, uh, we've got um, we've got award-winning props up already. So uh, defensive rookie of the year in the National Football League, Rick. They got Chase Young up at plus 350. Isaiah Simmons up at plus 850. 
I think it's a good bet. I think Isaiah Simmons can run around, make a lot of plays, and be the star of that defense on an up-and-coming Arizona team. Yeah, they talk about the equalizer, right? That he showed what he can do there and just kind of offset uh, dynamic playmakers by making plays of his own, whether that's dropping back in coverage and having an interception, being a pass rusher, getting after the quarterback. This guy, all he does is make plays. And I really feel good about what Arizona's building here now. You take a look, they got their franchise quarterback in Kyler Murray. They bring over DeAndre Hopkins to pair him with the future Hall of Famer and Larry Fitzgerald. Now they add a defensive cornerstone in Isaiah Simmons, and they got this young up-and-coming coach in Cliff Kingsbury. All of a sudden, this NFC yep. West, I'll tell you what, Three consecutive years now, the the Super Bowl loser has failed to make the playoffs the following season. That's bad news for San Francisco. You've got all these young coaches now, whether it's Kyle Shanahan, uh, Cliff Kingsbury, Sean McVay. They're all chasing what Pete Carroll's done, right? They're all chasing that grizzly veteran, Pete Carroll, who's built a winning program, has hoisted the Vince Lombardi trophy. you got all these young up-and-coming uh, coaches now coming in. I think the NFC West is open. I think it's the wild, wild west. Arizona loss. If you look at their losses, almost every loss was by under seven points. I think Arizona is building something special. It would not surprise me if they win the NFC West. And really, all right, you know, and I, I was on them a lot. They were a good team against the spread uh, last year, as you stated. And surprisingly enough, their defense actually competed. The offense uh, took a couple of months to get going and, and figure it out, and then they sort of hit a wall a little bit. But it's interesting you talk about that. You look at the NFC West, and you look. So two years ago, the Rams were in the Super Bowl. This past year, San Francisco were in the Super Bowl. What, Seattle were in the Super Bowl, what, four years ago? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, whatever it was, I would say, against the Patriots, the game, or maybe it was five years ago, four or five years ago, et cetera. So essentially, three of the last four or five Super Bowls from the NFC, the team has been represented out of that division. It's been a different team every time. And you're right. It seems like Arizona is sort of, and you get the feeling the Rams are sort of sliding a bit now, don't you, too? At least I you get do. that feeling. You do, and and you 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 wonder can San Francisco sustain that success because now everybody's yeah. gunning for you. And Seattle, I mean, they've turned their roster over now so much. There's so much turnover, and and they've done a great job of it. But there's just not a whole lot of continuity. I think it's prime for the taking. Where Arizona's this young up-and-coming team. They got a good mix of veterans, a nice blend of young talents. Uh, Kyler Murray entering year two. You talk about that offense. They got other weapons there. Uh, the, the kid from UMass they drafted. They got Christian Kirk hanging around. About Kirk. And now yeah. Kirk, Kirk is good, but he wasn't a number one guy, right? Kirk right. is better now as a number three guy, just another Absolutely. slot guy, another guy there for them. And I think, you know, it's going to come down to that NFC West and the New Orleans Saints, right? This is the, the last uh, rodeo show for Drew Brees. It sounds like he's going to take that Monday night football or Sunday yeah, night football yeah. job after the air. So, so they're, they're just loading up for one more run. Jameis Winston goes there for, uh, you know, 10 cent on the dollar. So that's... He uh, goes for Harvard education. He said, Rick, we could talk football all night. We got to get out. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.